Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Done, have done up to this point is, is online for if you want to catch up. But today we want to talk about moving forward. We need to move forward. And as we move forward, you have to understand that, you know, we have these sort of artificial divisions between chapter 5 and chapter 6. You understand when the writer of this, this book that we had, the book of Hebrews, he didn't say, okay, finish chapter 5 and writes a big 6 and goes on. It, it all flows together. Those are, those are just to help us so we don't get lost on Sunday mornings, okay? We can all, I can say chapter 6 and we all show up at the right place. So if you go back to the last verse of chapter 5, this is where we left off last week. He's talking about spiritual maturity or their spiritual immaturity that needed to be fixed. He says, but solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And the key phrase, the key phrase of that whole last section, by reason of use, by reason of use, we apply, we live, we practice the Word of God. And as we do we move on in our march toward maturity in Christ. And we need to do that. Now, I shared this with you last week as well. Uh, bring up those three words, if you will, for me there, Blake. I appreciate that. We talked about this is what we need to do. I hope you've had some pr- a chance to practice that this week. As we study God's Word, what does it say? I need to process it. I need to understand it. Ask questions in my mind. Let the Spirit of God be my teacher. Pray over it. As I do all those things... Then I need to say, okay, now I've got to plan how this is going to fit in my life. We did some practice verses last week, one practice verse, two different ways to look at it. And just, just need to do that. And then we need to look for that next opportunity, that next opportunity we can go out there in the world and say, that verse that I've processed and I've planned to do it, now's the time to do it, now to put this into play. To be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, as we looked at last week. Now we come to chapter 6. Chapter 6, the writer of this book, and I, I really believe this was originally a sermon, or maybe a series of sermons. I don't think it was primarily given the first time in a written form, although we had the written form transmitted to us. Because I, I kind of feel what this, this, whoever he is, we don't know who the exact human author was, but I kind of feel like he's a pastor that is preaching to a congregation. And he's saying, don't be immature. We have to do the Word of God. We have to practice it. And he has all this passion, this heart for his people. And then he comes to the subject of motivation today. Let me give you some motivation today. You know, we all need something to just to kind of stir our thinking. I heard a story about a couple started a business in Alaska, and their business was taking salmon that was caught and processing it and putting it in cans and selling canned salmon. They found out after a while that no one was buying their salmon. It was sitting on the shelves unpurchased. And they realized that when you open this can of, of, of salmon, something in the manufacturing process, it kind of turned the... The, the, the fish grayish looking rather than this nice pink color that we're all used to. And they were trying to figure out we don't have money to redo it. And then the wife came up with this idea. It says, write this on the label, which they did. Our tuna, or excuse me, our salmon, get the right fish here. Our salmon is guaranteed not to ever turn pink. And suddenly the sales just started going up and going up. Just, just to take what is maybe abnormal in people's thinking and say, no, this is now normal. There's nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with the fish. It just was the discoloration. So just a little change in thinking, a little change in wording, a little change in perspective. And suddenly there was now motivation. Oh, this, it's not pink. It must be good. 
and off they went to the races. So the writer of this book comes before them and says, I'm going to give you some motivation. And there's three primary motivators in this text we want to look at. And, and this is where we need to land today. It's where we start where we land. We must find the motivation to grow. Sometimes the Word of God tells us about what we should do. Sometimes it tells us how we should do it. And sometimes it tells us why we should do it. This first section of chapter 6 is all about the why we do it. Here is the motivation. And I want to read the first two verses for you, verse three, first three verses for you, and then we're going to sign the motivation in them. Therefore, again, that takes you back to what he said in chapter 5. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God, of, doctors of, doctrines, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. What's the if we will do? What he said in, earlier in verse 1, that is to go on to perfection, literally go on to maturity. He's saying we need to press on. And we need to do that by understanding, and I'll, I'll say it this way, motivator number one, we have much to gain. We need to remember that we have much to gain. Can I say something that's so painfully obvious it doesn't need said, but I feel compelled to say it anyway? We all have some growing to do. Not one of us have arrived at a place where all is just where it should be. In our spiritual lives, we have some growing to do. And that's what he's saying to these folks. He's saying to the, to the original re readers of this, this text or this sermon, he says, we have much to gain. Now, what do we have to gain? Well, you see it in this text. He says, we need to leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. That's the beginning. That's sort of like when you go to school in the kindergarten or wherever it is, preschool, and we start with the ABCs, A, B, C. You know, we learn, we learn the sounds, and then we start learning words and simple words, and we go on and progress. He said, we need to leave the ABC level. We need to leave the kindergarten level of truth. And basically he's saying, you have been stuck there. I want to motivate you to move beyond these elementary principles. And the key here, this whole section is, let us go on to maturity. Let us go on to perfection. Move forward. Move forward. Why? Because there is much to gain. There is opportunity for gain. As much as we have appreciated what Christ has done for us, what he's taught us, what, he's, what we experience in him, there is more to gain. And just that perspective in and of itself should push us forward to do the things we need to do to cooperate with what he wants us to do. Now, he lists several things that they need to move away from and to. Some of them we can relate to. Some of them are difficult for us to relate to because they were in a different time, different place. But it just gives us a, a series of examples of things we need to move away from the beginning level, at least up to the intermediate level. Let's, let's at least see if we can get up to third and fourth grade level, okay? Let's see if we can get, get out of kindergarten, get out of first grade, let's move forward a little bit, okay? And he mentions the first one. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. These are three couplets he gives here. That, that we have to understand we need to go beyond this reality that we need to repent of dead works and we need to go on in our faith toward God. So work and faith is the, is the contrast. Put this in the context of the, the Jewish believers that he's writing to. And the problem they had was this pullback to all of this religious baggage of their past, all this tradition of the past. He's saying, you, you, you understand that we're saved by faith, and we need to move past the point where we repent of sins. That, that means we, we change our perspective toward the sin in our life. And by the way, if you're going to be a person that's expressed faith in God, that's part and parcel of that process. We turn away from sin, we turn to Him, and then we have this faith that we connect to Him and we are saved. Okay, So it's part and parcel of that. 
So we understand the dead works could be all of that thing. All, and he's going to talk more about this in the book of Hebrews. All the sacrifices, and he's in the middle of a section on the priesthood. Remember, he talked about that in chapter 5. We're going to go back to it in chapter 7. And all those things that were part of their life. He says we need to move beyond that. Second thing he says this, the doctrine of baptisms. Well, what in the world is he talking about there? Why? First of all, do you notice in the text the word baptism is plural? It's not baptism. We, have, we would, could talk about the doctrine of baptism, why we're saved. When we're saved, we go through the waters of baptism to display to all others that we're a follower of Christ. It, it's a symbolic picture of our commitment to Christ. But baptism, you understand, if you understand the Old Testament custom, they were immersed often. In fact, if you go to, to Israel today, Julie and I have seen these, uh, all the places where they were close to a synagogue, wherever it was, you'll find these sort of bathtub-shaped depressions down in the ground. It was known as a mikvah, and they were filled with water. It had to be the right kind of water. And people, when they come to worship God, would go and immerse themselves as a picture of cleansing. And then they were proper to go into their time of worship. So there was all, it wasn't just baptism like New Testament baptism. It wasn't even the de- baptism that John performed, as John the Baptist did. But he's talking about all this, this, you have all this baggage, and what does it mean? And, and the thing that shook them up was, now that we've come to Christ, and I come to my church rather than to my synagogue or to the temple, where that is fading and this is now enlightening. Well, didn't we used to go immerse ourselves all the time? And where's the mikvah? And where's that? And they're missing all these components that, that they used to look at as something special. And he says, we need to move beyond that. And the laying on of hands. Well, what does that mean? Well, again, this goes back to kind of their Jewish background. For instance, they had this one sacrifice or this one uh, ceremony, we can say it that way. It was called the scapegoat. Interesting t- thing to say where this goat was brought in, and they would lay their hands on the head of the goat, they confess all their sins over the goat, and then it was sent out in the wilderness, picturing God carrying their sins out, and that goat was going to go out and never come back to the camp again. So, they would, so all these, there's all these different processes and all these different ceremonies of laying on of hands. And when they came to church, it's like no one's laying on of hands. No one's, where's the scapegoat? Where's all, this, where's all this stuff that we've grown up with? He's saying, you've got to move away from those elementary those very beginning principles, and let's move on to a deeper faith. And then he says, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. We might say, that doesn't sound very elemental to me. But when you understand, you sort of have to know that to even be saved, right? You have to understand that there's this reality that, 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 that life is going to end, the hope of resurrection someday, eternal life out there in the future. And, and we are, what are we escaping from when we turn to Christ? We're escaping the eternal judgment of God. So he says, that, but that, so that's the very beginning thing. He says, great foundation. You don't have to pull the foundation down. You don't have to ignore those things. But he says, move on past them. And then he ends with this phrase, and this we will do if God permits. We're going to get there. And I say to all of you, and I say to all of us, if we simply dedicate ourselves to the study of God's Word and we, empowered by the Spirit, seek to practice it, if we process, plan, and practice, if we put it into our lives, there is more to come. And we, as he says in that verse, in that verse, we will do if God permits. Now, there's one thing I didn't mention to you, I should have mentioned earlier. When he says, let us go on in verse 1, it's an interesting construction in the original. It's sort of a passive tense. And it simply means this. We will go on. We'll be drawn along. We'll be pressed along. Because primarily, this is the work of God. This is what God intends for you. It's what God intends for us. And what does He intend for us? He says, you have more to gain. That should motivate us 
to move not to be satisfied with where we are, but move forward as we encounter Him in the Word, as we submit to His Spirit, as we put His Word into practice. There is a danger. It's an ever-present danger. It is a possibility that any of us can have our spiritual progress strangled by spiritual stagnation of just thinking, we're okay, we're right, everything's okay. I've, I've learned that stuff before. There's nothing more to learn. And we just slowly settle into a self-satisfied view of ourselves and our relationship to the Lord rather than growing. So I say to you and I say to me, here's the motivation, the motivation to move on. There is much to gain. We are all looking for a place to feel at home. Pastor Jesse Wagoner and the congregation of Mount Calvary Baptist are ready to welcome you because when you're here, you're home. With their warm, welcoming environment, you will feel right at home as you experience the life-changing power of Christ. Mount Calvary is located at 1509 Bigley Avenue in Charleston, West Virginia at the Westmoreland exit, half mile north of the I-64, I-77 split. To learn more, visit calvarywv.com. Now, let me read verses 4 through 6 for you. Please read along if you have your Bible available. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they have crucified again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, those three verses in the original is just one long sentence, okay? It also, I have probably spent more time on those three verses this week than I usually spend on two or three sermons in over many weeks. In fact, uh, virtually everybody I read trying to give me help on this, this passage says, this is probably the most difficult passage in the New Testament to try to understand what he's talking about. And I guarantee you, I'm not going to answer all of your questions. I can answer some. I'm not going to answer all of them because I don't have all mine answered. But the great news is this fits into a context. And even if we don't understand all the nuances of the passage, and we're going to dig into it in just a moment, the big picture is this. It is a motivator. I don't want you spiritually stagnant. I want you to move forward, he writes. There is more to gain. And secondly, there is more to lose. This is a very strong, sobering warning. That if we are spiritually stagnant, if we stop growing, we stop participating in worship, we stop in our study of the Word of God, we stop seeking to practice, we stop confessing our sins and moving forward and dealing with things in our lives, then there is something to lose. All right? Now, there's many different ways to look at this passage of Scripture. There's four major ones. And if you don't mind uh, taking a little bit of a course through this, I'll just share them quickly and, and I'll just share my views on them. Okay, number, bring up the next slide, if you will, there's uh, Blake. All right, one is, and this is common, many people say, well, when it says in the text, for it's impossible for those who are once enlightened, and then you have a bunch of intermediate, but the sentence continues with this, all right? If they fall away to renew them again to repentance. So if someone was enlightened and all these other characteristics, and then they fall away, they can't come back to repentance again. That's what he's saying. That's the major thing. So some people say, well, I look at people, I know people, you know people, we all know people that... They were living for the Lord. They seemed like everything was good. They were doing religious things. And then suddenly they just chuck it all away and they just go into the world and they just, 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 just sort of don't even have any part of that anymore. And we have trouble. What does that mean? Well, there's some people who say, well, they were saved and now they're lost again. Okay? The only problem is 
salvation according to multiple, 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 multiple places in Scripture is permanent. It's God's work. It's not subject to review if you're truly saved, okay? So mark that off the list, okay? That's, that's not what it's saying. Number two is there's some who think, well, this is just a hypothetical case. This really can't happen, but if it could happen, it would look like this. And it's all based on what you see in our translation where it says uh, there about the word if appears, okay? If they fall away in verse 6. Well, the word if is not in the original. It's not even a conditional clause in the original syntax or the grammar of Greek, okay? So it's not setting up a hypothetical what if situation. So just take those off the list. I'm going to get rid of those real quick, okay? Uh, Go to the next slide, if you will. So the two major views, and many scholars will land on either side, one is the believing, well, these, these are really true believers because it says in the text they've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. They're partakers of the Holy Spirit. All those, sound, all those things sound like those are genuine believers who then somewhere down the road they get into what we would call apostasy and it reaches a point where it's unrecoverable. That does not mean they are lost. It just means they've lost their way. It means they've lost their joy. It lost, more importantly, they've lost their usefulness to the Lord. One of, the, one of the buzzwords we have in our Christian culture today is the word deconstruction. You know, someone was saved and they, were, they, they claimed to be saved and all this sort of thing, and then, then they start just kind of deconstructing, taking the elements away and stop believing it. And we live in a world, I, I saw a study this week, Julie and I in our devotional reading. It was interesting. They, they polled pastors all across America. So this is every kind, every denomination, every whatever. And they evaluated what they said they believed based on the fact of what the Bible literally teaches. And they said only 37% of those that responded to the survey, they could say were biblically oriented to the Word of God. And I'm like, well, no wonder we're in some trouble with people wanting to deconstruct their faith. If, we're, if, if the people teaching you the Word of God do not believe the Word of God in its entirety, then there's a problem. And it filters into our world and our society, okay? The problem is, if you read this text... It just doesn't seem to, to, to fit, in my opinion. Many people would believe this. In other words, they were believers who, who, who were living for the Lord. They're genuinely saved, but they've now just got to a place that they've so walked away from the Lord that they're not going to be recovered to their usefulness or not. But the language is very strong. I, I prefer number four, and it's the last bullet point. Okay? And I'm not going to argue with you, and please don't argue with me. I don't have, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not looking for another argument. But it more than likely... The people that are described with these terms, where it says they have tasted of the heavenly gift, um, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and of the powers of the age to come. That sounds like those are all Christian things, but you understand that Jesus said it this way. He says at the judgment, not everyone's going to say to me, Lord, Lord, and he said, there's going to be some who claim to be his connected people, and he says, say, depart, I didn't know you. There is the possibility that these were people... It's like the parable of the soils. Remember Jesus said, sower went out to sow, the, the, the seed is the word of God. Some fell on, on, uh, on hard-packed ground and it sprung up, but then it immediately withered away because there was no roots. And others fell among thorns and the weeds and the cares of life choked it out so there was no life. So then there's those that go on to produce a yielding harvest, if you want to say it that way. So I think what he's saying is this. And particularly they who were Jewish, who had the Old Testament, all the scriptures that then existed, they had all this, this, this things pointing to Christ, everything that they should have known. They come to this point, and they have had some experience 
at least a taste of the heavenly gift. They knew about salvation. And also it says that they partakers of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit probably was tugging at their hearts. We call that conviction as a doctrinal point. Uh, they tasted the good word of God. They, they, they were in the word of God. But also he says that uh, they knew of the powers of the age to come. They knew that there was a future. There was an eternity. There was a judgment to come. They had all these things intellectually, but the problem is it was never of the heart. It never was genuine belief. And if they continue down that path and if they fall away from that encounter, whatever, whatever religious spiritual encounter you want to call it, if they fall away, if that's their continual way, there's no way they can come back to repentance. There is no second chance. Pastor Adam was telling me a story just before this service. Thank you for sharing this with me. He was talking to a lady when, the, when he was up in the Clay County for Vision Week with Vision Appalachia. Now, this lady now was a believer, but she told him in her testimony, she said, I played church for five years. said, I went to church on Sundays, and I had a big old leather-bound Bible. I'm one of them big ones, you know, with a, with a zippered case on it. And I'd open it up, and I'd follow along, and I'd read, and I'd pay attention to the pastor. I did all these things, but in my heart, I never was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Outwardly, it looked like it. Unfortunately, she did come to the Lord. But if she would have continued playing church, that's of no avail when it comes to the judgment. So whatever this passage means, and I'm not going to be dogmatic exactly what it means, and every, every point of those four have things that's like, you kind of fit it in. It doesn't always seem to be an easy case. But here's the bottom line. God wants you to grow God wants you to mow forward. We need to find the motivation to grow. The motivation he sets up is, first of all, there's more to gain and there's more to lose. Whether this is just an illustration of, and by the way, the key word is the word those in verse 4. He's using the, the, the first person plural pronouns in 1, 2, and 3. In verse 4 he says, for it's possible for those, he switches to the second person plural pronoun. So he's saying us and them we and those, okay? So he's making a distinction. So those, however you want to look at them, are an illustration to us, a warning, just like he's already warned them earlier in the book. You remember how Israel got to the close to the promised land, then they refused to go in, and they wound up wandering around the wilderness for 40 years? That's an illustration for us. Those, whoever they may be, is an illustration to us. There is much to lose if we stop growing. I take you back to where we began. Let us go on. To perfection, literally, let us move on to, to maturity. What we need to do is cooperate in all that God wants us to do. We talk about, oftentimes we talk about here at Mount Calvary, and you've heard it before, uh, Pastor Adam will mention it, I'll mention it, Pastor Tim will mention it, but uh, uh, the, the things, the actions we can take to cooperate with God's work in our lives. Number one, you're doing it right now, lots of commendation to you. Number one, go to church. We need to be together to learn, to grow, and, and do those things we need to do. Number two, get alone with God. We need to develop daily a time in God's Word, prayer, so that we are feeding and having spiritual nourishment in our lives. Number three is simply this, to, to get busy serving, all right? And that we use the gifts God's given us. And lastly, we say it this way, and I'm not sure I even gave them in the right order, but I, these are all four, is to get in a group. We need a group of smaller people, a smaller, not smaller people, <laughs> a smaller group of large people uh, that we, we, we hang out with that uh, we, we get together with so we can share life with and we can interact, have family time. This is great to be in a bigger group, but also in a smaller group. So go to church, get alone with God, get busy, and get in a group. Those are actions we can do, and we believe those actions set us up to 
in a place where God can help us continue to grow because there's much to lose if we don't. We may not lose our salvation. I don't believe that's possible if you're really born again. We could lose our usefulness. We could mess up our testimony. We can cause damage to ourselves and our own souls. We can damage our family and other people. So we need to be in a place where we know there's much to lose. Lastly, and I'm just going to give you a hint of it, okay? Because this is where we're going to start next time we're together in Hebrews, all right? He gives this illustration in 7 and 8, and I'll give you a little teaser in verse 9. For the earth which drinks in the rain and often comes up, and that often comes, up, comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives the blessing of God. But if it bears thorns and briars and is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned? He says there's some choices out here. By how we grow or not grow, if we are stagnant or not stagnant, that leads us to the place of either we're going to be fresh and vibrant and growing or we're going to be those that are full of briars and having problems in life. By the way, growing, obeying, serving, fellowshipping, all those things we talk about, in life it just works better. You will not have perfect relationships, but I think you have better relationships. You will not be perfect in your work life, in your career life, whatever that is, but it'll be better. You're not going to have joy every possible moment to the health, and there's moments of difficulty and disobedience and all that, but it'll be better. We'll be useful as we move forward. The last thing I want to mention to you is this, and this is what it is. Not only we have, we have much to gain, we have much to lose, and we have much more to expect in our walk with the Lord. And that outcome is, are we going to see fruitfulness or are we going to see barrenness? We've been working on the grass in our yard this year. Uh, we had several big bald spots. And I was just tempted to do what you know, men who have bald spots do, just let it grow up real big on one side and kind of rake it over the bald spot. But <laughs> I decided that's probably not going to work. So we tried some other things. And most of the bald spots are, 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 are better. We've got one that's just being stubborn. Okay, There's just one right by our driveway, and it's just like we can't get the grass to grow. Maybe we will. But we like it when it's growing and it's fresh and it's green. And you're, if you have a garden or you have flowers, whatever, you love it when it's vibrant and everything's going well. We also understand that, that, that the outcome waits to be seen. But look what he says to them in verse 10 or verse 9. But beloved, after all this negative about you know, falling away and all that stuff, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. I expect better things of you. I expect that we're going to do more and accomplish more, that we're going to have more joy. We're going to have more obedience. We're going to have more living and loving together, more cooperation in the body of Christ, more being an influence in this world, in this community, sharing the gospel with those that are lost and encouraging and helping people who know Christ to grow on into maturity. He expects more of them. And that's just a teaser where we're going. So you, you, by the way, you have a Bible you can read ahead. It's okay. There's no spoilers we need to worry about. You can read ahead. But he expects more of them. And this is where I want to end with us. Let's expect more of ourselves. That we're going to grow. That we're going to survive. That we're going to thrive. That we are going to see God at work in our congregation, in our families, in our lives. And by the way, I just want to throw this in at the end. I don't want to throw it in, but I want to make sure it gets in. And it's simply this. Don't play church if that happens to be you. There might come a time when it gets to the point where you no longer have that opportunity to turn around and stop playing church. But at this moment, there's an opportunity for you. If you need Christ, lay aside everything else. 
lay aside everything else and put your faith in him. If we need to help you understand that, explain it to you, sit down in the scriptures, Pastor Adam, Pastor Tim, I, maybe a Christian friend or family member you've come with, if they know the Lord, we'd be joyously happy and proud and thrilled to just share Christ with you if, we, if you need some questions. But maybe, maybe you know everything you need to know. Maybe you're like the people that I believe here are people who came close but didn't really seal the deal with belief, as he says. Maybe you have, you have come to this reality that you've tasted the heavenly gift. You know about salvation, as it says in, in, in verse 6 or verse 4, that you become partakers of the Holy Spirit. You've, you've, you're feeling the tug in, his, in your heart. Maybe you've tasted the good word of God like we've talked about this morning. And you know that there's, there's more to come in Christ's kingdom and his program. But you've never taken that step to say, I'm a sinner and I'm going to turn from that sin. God's got to help me change my life, but I'm going to make a mental, conscious change that I want it to be different and I'm going to trust Christ and I'm going to move, as he says in verse 2, from dead works and eternal to, to, and to, of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. I want to turn away from those things and I want to move from the, the, the works things that he mentions there in the text that dead works and move toward faith in God, as he says in verse 1. If we could help you take that step, we'd be thrilled to do it. Believer, it's all about motivation in this text. There is much to gain in growing in Christ. There's much to lose if we don't grow in Christ. And there's much to expect as we grow in Christ. May God just give us a good old push this morning as we live for him. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. And thanks too for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.